Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. Hey everybody, welcome back to, uh, oh man, I almost said the name of my other podcast, (laughs) 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 to the 1,000 Recordings podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. Uh, this is our number three, or episode number three. With me, as always, is my co-host, the effulgent, that's right, effulgent, <laughs> Mitchell Davis. What's up, Mitch? Uh, I need to get a t-shirt with that that word on it. Well, that'll, <laughs> that'll be great to go to work in. <laughs> um, I'm doing good, man. You doing Okay. Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, Sunday morning is, is when we usually record. Um, it's uh, quiet, kind of rainy, kind of kind of that kind of morning. Kind of um, a good morning for um, this music. All this music is kind of I don't know. Maybe with the ex- no, no, no. I'd say all of it is um, kind of groovy, kind of groove based. I mean, we really got sort of a a groove show this week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, see, we've got King Sunny Ade. We've got um, Aerosmith. We've got, and I think um, this guy's name, if I'm uh, pronouncing it right in the sort of Islamic way, would be Mahmoud Ahmed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, then we have Air, and finally Arthur Alexander. Um, yeah. So, so I was um, only familiar with two of these artists um, before we started, uh, King Sunny Ade, and really not super familiar with him, but I had heard some stuff before, and then Aerosmith, of course. Um, I don't know. Had you heard any of this stuff before? Um, King Sunny Ade, vaguely, obviously, like you said, Aerosmith, and um, Air as a collective, no. I, I, I didn't know anything about them. Uh, some of the individual members I, I knew about, but uh, was was totally unfamiliar with with their stuff. And um, and the the funny thing about it, the the last guy, uh, Arthur Alexander, I I I knew of him, but but didn't know of him in a weird way, if you know what I mean. And just uh, yeah. just some of the songs that he wrote that were you know later picked up by other people. You know, I I had no idea you know who he was as an individual, but I definitely knew his work. You know, and a lot of people probably, you know, were the same way, you know, you know, once we get into him, you know, they'll kind of realize why, I guess. Yeah, that's one thing that I was discovering with this book, with Tom Moon's book, is he he apparently likes to put these unsung heroes in there, these people that um, were kind of on the edge of success but never really pushed over into the big time. But yeah. they made, you know, significant contributions to music and they kind of deserve to be heard. And Arthur Alexander is one of these. We had one last week, I think. Um, actually, kind of we had two on the same album. Um, the Johnny Adams sings Doc Pomus. You know, I think yeah. both of those guys sort of fit into that category. All right. So the first artist is uh, King Sonny Ade. And uh, the first track we're going to check out is Synchro System. So we're looking at his album that uh, Tom Moon talks about, of course, The Best of the Classic Years. 
the album itself was released in 2003, but this is stuff that was all recorded in the early 70s um, in his home country of Nigeria. And uh, the first track we're going to check out is Synchro System. Um, what do you think of this track, Mitch? Very, very nice, slow groove. Uh, very infectious. Uh, yeah. Good long track, too. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that... Um, Seems like it would be good on a dance floor. You know, I, I can just I can just see people on the dance floor, you know, real close to each other, you know, listening to this song. I mean, I I, I love the the uh the pace of the song. It's it, it's a very nice, nice, slow, relaxing groove. Oh yeah, definitely. Um this is like real we're getting into the real sub Saharan uh, African music here, you know, I mean, there's no, uh, Northern African Islamic influence in this music at all. Um, this is, uh, you know, something that comes from, uh, a sort of, uh, African drum circle where, uh, you'll get this, uh, main rhythm set up and then all these sort of counter rhythms coming from different instruments and then it'll just go, you know, just yeah. like this, it just goes. I mean, you, and you sort of, uh, kind of i don't know bliss out on it for a while you know yeah it 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 kind of it kind of has a an almost um uh reggae feel also too when i uh-huh. listen to it. um you know the the first thing i thought uh was man i mean this this could go over well you know in jamaica as well as, as africa i mean it it had just that kind of groove to it you mm-hmm. know yeah definitely and one thing that I really like about this particular track is this really cool dialogue and counterpoint that's created between the bass and this talking drum uh, mm-hmm. together. Uh, just really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's one of the features of King Sunny Ade in this music is this talking drum, this African talking drum, this uh, drum that can be... Um, you know, in played in the hands of a master, it can be the pitch of it can be changed to to any not any pitch, but uh, uh, within a range, in limited range. But um, the pitch of the drum can be changed on the fly, and you know it can do um, these uh, sort of pitch bends and and almost glissandos up to different pitches, and uh, it can be used not just as a rhythmic instrument, but as a melodic instrument. You know, along with the bass and guitar and it's a really cool sound. Yeah, and it, it seems like in in the seventies, you know that that kind of been a, a time where where rhythm was, you know, somewhat different than it is now. I mean, you know, the the percussion was was leaned on a lot more, and in a lot of different music that that I noticed, you know, if if you had a band, you almost had to have like a, a good, obviously a good drummer, but even maybe a kunga player or. Uh, someone else who could, you know, take percussion to another level. I mean, you, you don't see that as much now. I mean, you know, sometimes you deal with certain groups, but, but back then almost every band had a guy on, on bongos and, you know, that, that was something I think that, you know, was kind of lost after, you know, years went by and, and you know, you know, drum machines would kind of come in and, sure. you know, and, and, and things would kind of ebb and flow. I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's coming back now, but, but back then, you almost you almost had to have a, a kunga player. I 
I was listening to uh, something the other day where you know there was a Kunga solo in this one song that just went on. It was it was a Donny Hathaway song, and I was like, you know, what what happened to that? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's kind of what happened is now that um, you know, back back you know here with King Sunny Day, you know, he'd have a bunch of people on stage playing percussion. But, yeah. you know, you look at the economics of today, I mean, those are all people you have to pay. So uh, you, can, yeah. you, you can either do that or you can have, you know, one machine that you can program and yeah. kind of, yeah. So um, I think that's that's one reason why we don't see it as much now. Sure. But, uh, yeah, th- this is uh, really cool. Uh, let's just check it out. This is... Uh, Synchro system of King Sunny Ade. track we're going to talk about is sunny t day and uh this one's a little different than uh synchro system i mean uh, one thing that i thought was really cool about this track just apart from the uh really cool rhythmic grooves that it has is this dual guitar and uh i could be totally wrong about this but i think it's king sunny ade himself you know both guitars and he's just overdubbing um and uh, if you listen to this with headphones, which I would recommend, he has this uh, really reverberated, almost uh, surf-like guitar in the left uh, speaker. And then in the right speaker, he has a sort of drier guitar. So we have these electric guitars with different timbres, and they're both playing off each other in this dialogue, almost like two different people and uh, if it truly is a uh, king sunny idea on both parts man i gotta give some some mad props to this guy because um being able to pull off this almost like split personality guitar this guitar that, that it's, it really almost sounds like two different people playing and and you know sort of riffing off of each other and it's just it's really cool. I love it. I just love this guitar yeah, interplay. I do too. I mean, that you you mentioned the the surf sound. That's the first thing that that one of the first things that came to my mind was 
you know, it, it sounds like so much of the, you know, the music you would hear when you think of surfing or surf influence type music, you know, and, and it's, it has that element. And then it also all, it has like a, almost like a dub element too. You know, like you said, those two kind of meshing and, uh, yeah, that great rhythm and in the percussion as well, again, and, you know, really, really nice track, really cool. The way, like you said, it, they play off of each other and, um, you know, he, I, I think he's he's definitely uh, underrated as far as his, his guitar playing. I mean, listening to this track, I, I really had no idea. You know, he, he had some great ideas. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that I'm going to include in the excerpt that we're going to play um, towards the end of this track, there's actually it sort of goes from this guitar interplay and it actually goes into a talking drum solo. So I think I'm going to include that um, just so everybody can hear, you know, this talking drum. It's, it's uh, really, really cool. Um, so here it is, um, this excerpt from Sunny T. Day of King Sunny A Day. Day from King Sunny Ade uh, from the album Best of the Classic Years, and uh, you know there's this. Uh, I was going to mention this. There's a YouTube video somewhere on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, at least I can't remember if it's like all of it is an interview with King Sunny Ade or just part of it. But I just remember there's this interview, and you know the interview's in Nigerian, so I don't know what he's saying, but you got to check it out it's a trip because uh he's like king sunny is um you know dressed up basically like a king and he's he's in his living room and his living room is like pretty sparse and there's this sort of pedestal towards the back wall with a throne and he's sitting in this throne uh, you know on this throne like a king and it, and it, you just got to watch it it's a, it's a trip <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, let's move on to uh, Aerosmith and uh, anybody who, uh, you know, it, I'm sure this is probably the most uh, uh, well-known stuff we're going to play on this show. Um, 
I think the two tracks I was going to play were uh, Walk This Way and Sweet Emotion. This is uh, the album that we're talking about here that's from the book is Toys in the Attic, released in 1975. I think this was uh, Aerosmith's third album, but I think it was the album that really broke them huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the mid-'70s and really kind of codified their sound and uh, solidified what they were going to be, you know, for for the rest of their career. Um, and uh, Walk This Way, uh, I have to say, you know, my, my first experience with Walk This Way was not the Aerosmith version. It was the Run DMC version. <laughs> uh, because, you know, when, when this... Uh, when Aerosmith was well i was just a kid you know i was just a kid when uh when the run dmc version came out and i was too young you know to have really been into aerosmith previously um you know i mean my parents would weren't gonna play get on my 10 inch record to their 10 year old you know what i mean um Mm. (laughs) so uh you know that was my first time that i'd really heard aerosmith was uh the run DMC version um, of walk this way. But uh, yeah, I don't know what, what, what's your well, history. I, I think with this? When, when toys in the attic came out, I was okay. I was like six years old, I think. So I, I was one of those kids that I, I, I was able to listen to the radio pretty much how I wanted. My parents, you know, didn't really, you know, put restrictions on me, but I, I definitely remember hearing, you know, these two songs on the radio and then another song that would come to mind right away from from them of that era would be uh dream on you know yeah so i mean i i was familiar with them but they were one of those groups that kind of seemingly you know had a second life i i would say because of mtv you know they they kind of went away and and because they had definitely had some success you know in the in the 70s for sure but I think in the eighties and Alex said a big in a big way because of MTV, you know, Aerosmith, you know, really had a period where they were huge, you know. Yeah. And, and still yeah. are, obviously. You know, I mean Steven Tyler, I mean he's on I mean American Idol. I <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't have imagined that even back in, in those days when, you know, Permanent Vacation and those albums came back out where they they just had rotation on MTV that was like crazy. And uh, you know, but this album in particular, I think it 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 helped define what I guess what people would call classic rock really is. You know, with guys in you know mirrors trying to play air guitar, and I mean that that's what I I hear or see when I think about Sweet Emotion. You know, it's just every guy in in the world who who wanted to be a rock and roll star, you know, listened to this song. You know, and and revered this song so yeah yeah and i I think i really think that um uh the run dmc version kind of really brought them back oh yeah like i said uh, yeah from uh waning career yeah yeah i mean it's almost like uh uh john travolta's appearance in pulp fiction or something it's like you know that their uh career was sort of on the skids and after that you know, they were kind of back with a vengeance. Yeah. Um, I went back, you know, when I was listening to this stuff on YouTube and watched the Run DMC video. <laughs> oh, man, you got to watch this. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen it, you know, since since the late 80s. And, oh, man, 80s. 
yeah. 80s videos. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just check this out. You know, this is one of the most really. It's become one of the most famous, iconic guitar riffs of all time. You know, up there with uh, you know, "Smoke on the Water" and "Iron Man" and all. It's just oh, yeah. one of those you know, um, uh, iconic guitar riffs. So um, this is "Walk This Way" from "Toys in the Attic." Walk This Way from Toys in the Attic. Uh, we're going to move on to Sweet Emotion, another big hit from this album. But a really cool song, really kind of different. It's, you know, it's one of those drug songs, you know, that everybody did. <laughs> uh, you know, in the late 60s and 70s, everybody had to have their drug song. Um, and uh, this is this is definitely one of them. Um, it starts off. You know, and I just, when I went to listen to this, I just come off of listening to the King Sunny Ade. And so, you know, this song starts with this bass line, you know, this sort of repeating bass line. And I thought, you know, this is almost Juju esque, kind mm -hmm. of. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, they had any, um, uh, I don't know, awareness of, uh, King Sonny Ade at the time, but I don't know. I just thought it was a weird sort of um, similarity. Um, but yeah, it starts with this bass line and it has this reverberated kind of talk box guitar, you know, yeah. saying. That, yeah, that, that's one of those things that, that helps define uh, them too is the, the sound at the beginning of that song, the way that, that slow build, you know, because, you know, you don't really. You know, you're not really as as aware, I guess. You know, if, if you hear the song over and over again, but but paying it, paying real close attention, that that voice box is is so crucial to the beginning of that song. You know, or, or yeah. whatever you're doing with the guitar. You know, it's it's also like what Peter Frampton did with uh, yeah, yeah, right. Know, Do you feel and and it's 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 one of those things that it's it's so cool, but it's so subtle. You know. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things that I I did like about it, it is its subtlety. I mean, with Peter Frampton and um, other people that have used this talk box prominently and stuff, it's it's really kind of in your face. 
Um, mm. And this is um, a lot more, um, you know, subdued, I guess. But great record, very very good record. I mean, it's just one of those records that that never seems to get old. You know. Yeah. And you know, has has just such a a great tradition. You know, where you know, I guess Aerosmith, they were from from Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, just one of those bands that came out of Boston that you know just became you know legends you know around the world and like i said you know M- MTV just really helped jumpstart them like you said they they really were kind of on you know a, a bad point where they you know didn't look like they were going to make it you know but uh like you said you know having did that song run DMC and and bringing renewed interest even though some people may not have care for run dmc i mean it it helped the both of them you know uh-huh. and and then you know as people begin to look back you know hey you know what i i hadn't heard some of this old aerosmith in ages you know and you know i i think mtv really 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 helped them in in a big way you know even though they they had such a great you know career prior to that you know they they went on to do you know so well i mean it's it, it, it was just ridiculous, especially in the in the latter '80s and, and early '90s. Even Aerosmith was, you know, oh yeah, they were yeah. So <laughs> here it is, uh, Aerosmith, "Sweet Emotion." That was Sweet Emotion from Aerosmith from their album Toys in the Attic. And uh, the next album that we're going to move to is an album from Ethiopian musician Mahmoud Ahmed. I think I'm sort of pronouncing it um, in the Islamic way. It looks like Mahmoud Ahmed, but I think it's Mahmoud Ahmed, I think, um, <laughs> from his uh, album Ethiopiques. Volume 7, Ere Mela Mela. So, um, this album is sort of a, uh, I don't know, man. It mixed uh, Ethiopian music with some Islamic influence, with some jazz, with some bossa nova, with some uh, um, 
sort of crooner with some it's really sort of all over the place it's really kind of all over the place and kind of unique and um a melding of a lot of different influences in this music uh, but it also has a strong indigenous flavor to it all right so the first track we're going to check out is bemen sebeb let lash i think that's how you pronounce it um yeah what do you think of this oh there's there's a lot going on uh he, he his voice, first of all, is is it's got a lot, you know, to to take in. Where you you, you definitely hear like a Middle Eastern influence, uh, where it's almost as if he were chanting while he sings, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 like the music you would hear, you know, when you see like snake charmers and right. you know, <laughs> different films. You know, it, it, that that's what I I thought of when I first heard his voice, and then his band. I mean, it's 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 got kind of a, a an African rhythm in, in the guitar, but also a, a '60s psychedelic sound where you hear the organ. So you know it's it's an interesting mix. And I mean that was an interesting time. I imagine when when this album came out, and you know when you you take in your influences from wherever and then try to you know put them on record. You know there's no telling what could come out, especially if you're you know in Africa or. Uh, in the Middle East, and then you listen to music that's maybe from Europe or America. I mean, you know, this is a a good example of of how those you know cultures would mix and and kind of blend. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I get this image in my head when I hear this band. It, not necessarily the singing, but just the the instrumental part of the Monsters. <laughs> You know, it's going to drive because like you said, it's got this um, 60s psychedelic feel. But, you know, they're using this Ethiopian pentatonic scale. that's like a little bit unsettling, you know, mm-hmm. sounding uh, the organ in the back is like a little eerie sound to it. It is kind of spooky. Yeah. I, I, it, it, is, it has a cool groove. But like you said, it's 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 like groovy ghoulies type spooky where it's it's not scary but you know it's like not quite right you know right yeah it's like a spooky bossa nova with this uh you know just like that singing style you were talking about over it so mm-hmm. uh, yeah so let's check this out uh bemen sebeb let lash Sebeb 
የሚያፈልከው ቸረሪ ይመረመረኛል በጉንጮች that was Bemen Sabeble Lash from Mahmoud Ahmed. And we're going to move on to Balomi Bena. Balomi Bena. I, I, I'm probably like really mispronouncing this stuff, but whatever. I have to do, <laughs> I have to do what I can do. Um, Balomi Bena. Uh, you know, the singing in uh, the one thing that I took away from this track is his singing is like this mix of the Islamic stuff, um, then almost like a Latin or, or Mexican style with all these sort of tongue rolls and stuff that he's doing, and Bollywood. That's a sort of what I, I took from it. And, you know, he does all those... Um, in certain points of the so- in the song, he, he does these bird calls. <laughs> I don't know what uh, this is supposed right. to be, but, yeah, yeah, what do you think of this? track uh it, it definitely was was unusual that the the song has a has a great rhythm to it where you know the the band seems to you know kind of stay on this this one groove throughout and uh you know he kind of comes in and out with the vocal you know almost like a almost like a call and response not quite but uh yeah the 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 rolling of his tongue and, and what sounds like bird calls was 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 pretty unusual but very cool i i was i mean because i sat here looking I'm like what is he doing <laughs> i know <laughs> but uh yeah that was that was definitely something that that sprung out to me right away you know and uh you know looking at a a clip of him on uh, on youtube where he, he kind of looks like he has like this uh this nice suit on he almost looks like a lounge singer in, in las vegas uh you know, from the fifties, as if he could have been hanging out with, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and and Sinatra, and I was just like, you know, I, I guess that was just what was going on there. But I mean, he yeah. he looks pretty pretty smooth, you know. He does, yeah, he does definitely have that lounge singer vibe, as you know, going on in addition to everything else that's going on in this. Yeah, I, I just love to. I don't know. I just I. Just, Love to see people's reaction uh, if he did this, you know, for an American audience or whatever, then started doing the bird calls. And, you know, I think like probably both of us, it kind of comes out of nowhere and you hear the bird call. And I was just kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty kooky. But I that that's that's one of the things that, you know, definitely gives him a, you know, his own uh, kind of unique spot. You yeah. Know? I, yeah, yeah. I really heard anything like that, you know. I was like, okay, yeah. Especially the way it, it's not easy to roll your your tongue. I, mean, I can't. I can't do it at all. Yeah. yeah, unless you just grew up where that. I mean, that's just something that you know, you saw people do it because I I've tried it too, and I I'm just like, uh, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So let's check out um, this this track, this uh, kooky track, "Below Me, Benna." <laughs> Thank you. 
Benna of Mahmoud Ahmed uh, from his album uh, Ethiopiques Volume 7 Ere Mela Mela uh, there, there's a bunch of volumes of that series uh, I think at least 8 but um, let's move on to the next group jazz group Air um, in their album Air Lore uh, and uh, I thought this album was really interesting uh really cool again one of those um kind of under the radar albums that uh you know luckily for us that tom moon sort of discovered and put into this book um and i think one of these important albums that that uh uh you know was kind of under most people's radar um so this album is really the most pared down jazz uh ensemble you could get it's uh, just basically saxophone, bass, and drums. Uh, you have Henry Threadgill on saxophone, uh, bassist Fred Hopkins, and drummer Steve McCall. And uh, released in 1979. And what they do on this album is sort of use old rags as a kind of template or, or blank canvas um, to expound on. Does that make sense? Yeah, and they they definitely expound. I mean, yeah, you know, m- much more so than the original compositions. I mean, I like you said, I, I was not really familiar with Air. I mean, when I first saw Air, I, I thought of the you know the electronic band Air, uh-huh. you know, uh, but they're really nothing like that. I mean, um, I mean, just amazing talent. I mean, you can tell listening to them play that they. They they definitely know how to play, um, and like you said, just the the, the way they take a, a somewhat simple composition, what seems like a simple composition, and then can blow it up, you know, with the the solos that they they put on record, and you know, I, I was really impressed. You know, I I knew of of, of Henry Threadgill. I'd, I'd heard his name and and seen some of uh, his stuff before, or clips of him clips of him but i never heard any of this and most of it is very very good i mean i think all of it really is very good yeah yeah definitely i mean this uh this first track that we're going to play an excerpt from is called ragtime dance and uh you know it's really dizzying the the journey that they take you on um through this track um it kind of starts uh like most of the tracks 
Um, it starts a little bit more conventional with the with the the ragtime music. I mean, it's still a bit off, you know, from the original, but um, it's the most, you know, easy to recognize the the ragtime stuff. And then um, it sort of gradually gets more inventive and more surprising, kind of as as it goes along. Yeah, um, it almost painted this picture for me of like this short film in my mind of Scott Joplin sitting down to write a new rag and and sort of slowly losing his mind over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, this is an example of something that you really have to listen to this whole track. I mean, unfortunately, we can only play you a little excerpt of this, but this is something you have to experience from beginning to end or you're not really experiencing it. Because, um, you know, when I first started listening to this, when it first started, I wasn't too sure about it. You know, I was just kind of like, what? You know, what? I'm not too sure about what these guys are doing. But by the end, I was just, I was sold. I was like, you know, I get this. It, this is great, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, anything else you want to say before I play it? Um, one one thing in the book that they talk about um is the like you said the way that some of the tracks can start off you know somewhat close to the way the traditional song was and then before you know it it's going three times as fast as a matter of fact there's a a phrase in here that i looked at triple fast bebop you know Uh i love that yeah (laughs) that pretty much kind of describes a lot of what they're about where they they can seem so frenzied at times but never sloppy in what they're doing you know and uh you know that to me is is just another testament of of how talented these guys were where they they can kind of seemingly be you know on the edge of where it looks it sounds like it's all about to come apart but it never does you know <laughs> right yeah so let's check this out um this first track from Air Lore by Air Ragtime Dance just heard ragtime dance from air and uh, we're going to move on to the next track king porter stomp 
Um, this is a sort of retooling of an old Jelly Roll Morton rag. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about, and one thing that um, uh, what spurred this is uh, Tom Moon talked about it in the book. And uh, I want to read this as a, a pretext to what I'm going to say. But uh, let's see. He talks about, you know, this was a sort of um, last gasp of um, this sort of free spirit in jazz before this sort of uh, kind of jazz orthodoxy took a hold in the 80s. Um, and he sort of, well, this is the way he puts it. He says, um, he's talking about these, uh, the younger practitioners of, uh, of a jazz, um, that, uh, sort of championed a very narrow definition of jazz and championed, you know, older jazz, um, bebop and, uh, and previous and he says, you know, it's likely that they never really listened to this timeline trampling back to the future experiment, which reminds that before it became a cultural preservation project, Jack, jazz was fun. And I thought that was a pretty profound statement because, um, you know, after this, like you said, in the 80s, you know, jazz kind of did become a cultural preservation project. I mean, it, it, it started to fall into that trap that classical music did which was playing all the old dead masters and ignoring everything that was new and going on. Does that make sense? Um, Not that the old dead masters don't deserve to be played. They do. But, um, you know, I kind of ran across this this attitude when I was in in music school. You know, when I – the very first semester – uh, that I went to music school, uh, you know, I was interested in jazz and checking it out. So I took, I took this beginning jazz improvisation class. And, uh, what I ran up against in that class was it, it, it really threw me. I mean, um, the jazz faculty was really more conservative than the classical musicians. Um, mm. and, uh, I, I, it just really threw me for a loop, you know, that, some of the stuff that um, that I thought was cool at the time, like uh, groups like Bella Fleck and the Flecktones or Modesky Martin and Wood or or this kind of stuff that was newer, you know, and that sort of um, brought in newer styles to jazz. I was to- told blatantly, this is not jazz. You know, um, so I don't know that just that really turned me off, you know, to it. And, um, uh, you know, the, these guys from air. um or really from a time when that before that happened, you know, and you can really hear it in this music, the freedom, the fun they're having with this music. There's no worry in this music about jazz orthodoxy. There's no worry about, um, you know, you know, am I swinging right? Um, am I, you know, am I playing like bird? Am I playing like dizzy? Am I playing like, you know, it's just, they're just free, you know, and they're just, they're just taking it in their own direction. Um, yeah. So what, what did you think of this, uh, track King Porter stomp? Well, I, I, I totally agree with you on what, what you just said. Uh, like in this song in particular, each member brings their own sort of organic personality to the track and kind of let things flow. And uh, and that that's why I, I took from this is it, it just has like a great flow to it where 
you know, they like you like you said, they're not worried about, you know, what necessarily is 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 gonna. I don't want to say what's gonna happen or or what people think, but you know, they they just want things to to be more spontaneous, and that that's what I I took from from both of these tracks. There's a lot of spontaneity, and that's what that's what jazz I think is is about. You know, real jazz where yeah. it, it is fun. It's adventurous, and a lot of this is very adventurous. Where you know, if if you're not ready to kind of you know think somewhat differently, uh, you know, this is something that you know I haven't heard before, and and am I gonna like this or am I used to this? Then yeah, you you, you may not you know be ready for it. But you know, if if you just want to hear people play, and you want to hear them play well. And, and and mesh together and, and maybe do something a little different, then I think this is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also I wanted to, to mention that, uh, I thought you mentioned this before, but, you know, there's a lot of um, historical reference, you know, historical musical reference in this music. And, you know, you don't have to get it to really enjoy the music, but it kind of helps. And I was uh-huh. going to um, suggest, you know, and, and mention this uh, Ken Burns documentary, Jazz, Um it's an unbelievably great documentary. I think it's on Netflix streaming. That's where I watched it, but it's a multi-part documentary on the entire history of jazz from its inception in the late 19th century, all the way to the present. And, um, even if you think, you know, well, I don't really like jazz or whatever. I'm not that into it. Um, this documentary is like, a. it's more than a history of jazz. It's really a history of the United States, you know, from uh, the late 19th century to now, and it's just an, it's an amazing documentary. So I just just thought I'd plug that. <laughs> just like most of Ken Burns stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's check this out. Um, Air doing uh, redoing Jelly Roll Morton's King Porter Stomp. <laughs> We just heard King Porter stop from air and uh, we're going to move on to Arthur Alexander. Um, 
And uh, this stuff comes from the ultimate Arthur Alexander. This uh, album that was re- released in 1993, but a lot of this stuff comes from uh, the early 60s. Uh, definitely the two tracks that uh, we're going to play today are both from, I think, 62. And uh, this is, uh, like I said earlier, an uh, example of one of these unsung heroes, these people that uh, that were influential, that were talented, that were doing great things during their time, but never really broke into huge success. Um, in fact, uh, in Tom Moon's book, he says in the 1980s, uh, this guy was driving a public transport bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, people just knew him as the bus driver. They didn't know him as this guy who recorded these albums who wrote these songs uh uh Anna go to him that were that were late, later done by the Beatles and you better move on that was later done by the Rolling Stones and um you know it's just cool to uh hear this story i mean it's not i guess it's not that cool that um you know he never had the success that he deserved but you know it's kind of it's kind of cool to hear the story nonetheless you know yeah yeah, I think in the in the book it it talks about the the re-release of, of some of his material or the the album that came out in '93 as he was promoting it, he passed away. Right. And um, you know that that sometimes that's just how it really goes. I mean, some people get into the business, you know, have you know flashes of success, and because of the the trappings of you know the music business, either have to get out you know, where they just can't make money or, you know, just to survive from dealing with, you know, various demons, so to speak, you know, they, they have to step away. And I, I think that might've been his case in the latter, uh, according to the book. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those stories that, you know, and I go to him. I, when I first heard that song, I thought to myself, I know this song, but why do I know it? You know? And then I, when, I realized, you know, that the Beatles had done it. I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's something I didn't know, you know. And and like you said, good thing about this book, one of the good things is, you know, definitely shed some light on people that, you know, deserve, you know, more attention than maybe what they received, you know, before they, you know, were unable to have any more success or passed away or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. And this, this track, Anna go to him, um, you know, in a lot of ways it's, uh, kind of typical of the era. Um, it's about, you know, teenage love and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I don't know. You want to just check this out? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, uh, Arthur Alexander, Anna go to him. Set you free, go with him. Go with him. 
That was Anna Go to Him by Arthur Alexander. Um, that one in particular covered by the Beatles. It's interesting, you know, to go on YouTube and I did this and listening to the original version, Arthur Alexander version, and then go and listen to the Beatles version. Um, and you, you know, I'm sure most people know this song from the Beatles, but really, you know, you should go and hear the source, the original song, which, um, is better in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I do like, I like his better, his better more. I mean, and that's, I love the Beatles, but yeah, you know his. It definitely has a, a that voice. It he has a simplicity about his voice. I I think in in the book, um, you know, Tom Moon kind of compares him to George Jones. You know, the country mm-hmm. singer, where he it's almost as if he's he, he's storytelling, um, and 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 you can hear you know the slight influence of, of country music. I mean, obviously as well as R and B in what he was doing and. Um, you know that, and that's that's kind of I think how a lot of music was. I mean, you know, lines were, you know, a lot closer when you had different musical types. You know, blues and country, and and a lot of that kind of would, you know, you you could cross over a lot easier. I think maybe more so than today. You know, um, maybe maybe not, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, this this next track that we're gonna play called you better move on um it really does have a, a country vibe to it um you know there's a r&b vibe and then also this country vibe mixed in with it uh, it's got this uh you know sort of three plus three plus two rhythm that that you'll hear in a lot of music even a lot of latin music uh tango music you know there's the what that you know one two three one two three one two sort of rhythm um, and, uh, somehow it, it's got a country vibe to it. I don't know. Yeah. And, and like I said, again, you know, just, that was, that was just one of those times where, you know, th- those, those two genres could, could walk hand in hand. I mean, you know, and, and some people were, were, were criticized. I mean, like Ray Charles, when, when he did his country album, you know, people were like, you know, what are you doing? You know, but it was, it was a, big time success for him. I mean, he was just one of those people that you could tell, you know, grew up listening to both. And I, I imagine Arthur probably was the same where, you know, country music was so, you know, steeped in, and I guess what a lot of people would consider R&B, maybe blues and, and also gospel, you know, and especially where you, you were down South, which I, I think he was from the South, you know, those, those types of musics, you know, just would, would mix together, you know, and, and mix well, you know, where, you know, guys would just listen to the radio and, and could go from dial to dial and it'd be cool, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's just a different era, I guess. You know, nowadays, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see them mixing quite the same, you know. Yeah, I, like I agree. Different. Yeah. So let's check this out. Um, this track, You Better Move On by Arthur Alexander. Are you to tell her 
Yes, and the Lord above You better move on Well, I know you can buy her fancy clothes and diamond rings But I believe she's happy with me without those things That was You Better Move On from Arthur Alexander from the album The Ultimate Arthur Alexander. And uh, that does it for our show this week. Um, and uh, we will be back, of course, next week. You can reach us. You can email us. You can uh, go to our website. Uh, our email is uh, 1000 Recordings Podcast at gmail.com. That's all sort of one word, 1000 Recordings Podcast. You can go to our website at 1000rp.blogspot.com. You can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000rp. And we're also on Facebook. Um, and Mitch and I are also on Facebook. Whatever. Contact us. Email us. Uh, if you get a chance and uh, you like the show, or even if you don't like the show, um, leave us some reviews on iTunes. And uh, if we get some of those, maybe we'll read some of those on the air at, also with your email too, your uh, questions and comments about the show. And uh, yeah, that, that pretty much does it for this week, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, next week, uh, Allison chains, right? Yeah. We're going to kick off the show with Allison chains next week. So that that's, be- a, that's a good one from my uh, teenage years. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, yeah. So it's going to be uh, uh a switch from Arthur Alexander. I kind of wish we would have could have gone from Arthur Alexander to Allison chains, but we're, <laughs> we're going to have to wait till next week for that. Um, so until then um, I'll talk to you next week, Mitch, and uh, we'll, we'll bring you some more cool music. All right. Take it easy, Tony. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks. All right. Later. <laughs>